everybody, it's Matt. Welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you automatically get our weekly episodes. And you might want to subscribe to our Journey Callaway YouTube channel as well. You'll find messages, music, interviews, inspiring stories, and more for you right there. So it's always seemed a little strange to me when people talk about being committed to their marriage. I don't really want Jen to be committed to marriage. I don't want her to be committed to our marriage. I hope she is committed to me and I'm committed to her. Marriage is categorical. Me is personal. I didn't fall in love with marriage. I fell in love with Jen. The people who fall in love with with marriage, you know, the ones that can't wait to meet someone and get married, well, I'm being honest, they scare me a little bit. They're in love with an ideal that probably won't even turn out to be real. But when you fall in love with someone, well, that's as personal as it gets. I think that's the same thing we want with God, isn't it? We want Him to be personal. But what does that mean? I mean, how does a God whom we can't see become personal to you and me? Let's talk about it. So if you don't follow Jesus, I'm sure you have some very rational reasons why you don't follow Him. Even if you're a Christian and you resist surrendering every single area of your life to His direction, like we all have at times, well, you've got some good arguments for doing that too, don't you? But adults who follow Jesus don't usually do so because they get all their questions answered and all their doubts resolved. Adults follow Jesus because something happens and He becomes up close and personal to them. Something happens that moves the conversation from categorical to personal. Now that's not to say you shouldn't explore your questions and doubts and objections. You absolutely should. And you're going to find answers for most of them when you start exploring that. But following Jesus is first and foremost relational, which means you can't just reason your way into a relationship with Him any more than I could have reasoned my way into marrying Jen. I mean, think about it. When I was single, if I'd gotten answers to all of the questions, to all the concerns that I had about marriage and married life, would that have made me married? Nope. So if you get answers to all your questions about following Jesus, will it mean you have a relationship with Him? No. I mean, for those of us who are married, we got married while we still had questions about marriage, didn't we? Why? Well, because someone showed up who was so personal that they overpowered our questions and we ended up taking all of them into our marriage. We decided we'd just figure it out as we went along. Well, the same thing happens in a relationship with God. Nobody follows Jesus because they get all their questions answered about Jesus. They choose to follow Jesus while they still have questions because something happens that makes him up close and personal to them. Now, this is where we discover something that I think is both surprising and amazing about God. From the very beginning, God has so loved the world. Well, God has so loved you and me that he's gotten involved with us. God initiated a relationship with us from the very beginning, and he didn't abandon us when we broke the relationship. Actually, God waded into the mess to do what anyone does when they see someone they love in trouble. He came to help. How? Well, not like you might think. He didn't start by sending rules or commandments or instructions for us to keep. He actually started by revealing himself on his terms to one very ordinary, everyday person who is no different than you and me. It was as personal as it could possibly be. And God did it in a way that proved he wasn't like what people thought he was like. If you could go back 4,000 years ago, you'd find that most people viewed God like a cosmic vending machine, maybe, if you think of it that way. Their job was to figure out how many quarters you had to put in and which buttons to push to get what they wanted from God. 
Now, a lot of us still do the same thing today, right? You've tried negotiating and bargaining with God, and so have I, because there's something in all of us that thinks God should meet us on our terms. But then we put in a few quarters, we kick the machine a couple times, we don't get what we want. It's really easy for us to walk away and go, well, there's no point in following God. That doesn't work. I'm just not going to believe in that anymore. Well, that's kind of the world God interrupted 4,000 years ago when he appeared in the most personal way to one ordinary man named Abram. You probably heard of him known as Abraham or called Abraham. And he said, Abram, I'm about to do something big, but I'm going to start in the most personal way imaginable. And so what God did is he started with an unknown 75-year-old man in an unknown land with a wife who couldn't have children because God wanted to show up in a way where nobody would miss him. Now, here's how it began according to the account we have in Genesis. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I'll show you. In other words, I want you to go somewhere I'm not even going to tell you where it is yet. You've just never been there before. And then he makes these promises. He says, I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. And you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I'll curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God made these huge, extraordinary promises to this very ordinary man named Abram. He said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Well, Abraham is the father of the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. So promise made, promise kept there. He said, I'll make your name great. Have you ever heard of Abraham? Of course you've heard of Abraham. So have I. So check, he did that. And then third, he said, all the people on earth are going to be blessed through you and through your family. In other words, Abraham, I'm about to get involved and do something in your life so amazing that everybody on the planet for the rest of history will benefit. And he ended up doing that because from Abraham's family came Jesus. But from the beginning, God didn't want it to be about religion. God wanted to be personal. So he started it all with a simple conversation between Abraham and God. Now, if you've ever wondered how God can be personal to you, lean in for just a minute because Abraham is about to show us. See, Abraham had no reason to believe the promises that God had just made. Abraham was old. He was unknown. There was nothing great about his life. And from his point of view, there's no way he'd be the father of a great nation. He and his wife, Sarah... They had no children. They had no hope of having children. And then as time passed after God had made these promises and no child came, guess what Abraham did? Well, he did what we would all do. He doubted. He questioned. He wondered. It, took, it was 25 years later from the time God made these promises to Abraham, and Abraham and Sarah still didn't have a child. And you can imagine they're losing hope. But that's when God shows up again in an extremely personal way. And after Abraham expresses all of his doubts to God, have you ever done this? God didn't seem to mind. After Abraham expressed all the doubts to God, here's what God did. God took him outside and he said this to him. He said, Abraham, look up at the sky and you count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And to which I'm sure Abraham was like, well, I'm not even going to try, God. You know I can't count all the stars. And then God said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now just stop and think about that for a moment. Abraham has this long list of very rational objections and doubts and questions about why what God promised wouldn't come true. There are plenty of reasons why he's never going to have a child, much less be the father of a nation. And if he'd chosen to simply hold on to all those doubts, God would have never become personal to him. But the thing is, and you can understand this, 
when you're actually talking directly to God and he's talking to you, well, apparently your, your doubts, they shrink, don't they? They shrink in light of the proof that God really does love you and he cares about you. And that's what happened to Abraham. And so here's what Abraham did. In the Genesis account, it tells us Abram believed or trusted the Lord. To which we might say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, Abraham. You can't just trust God. Don't you need to have all your questions answered first? I mean, how's all this going to happen? He made promises to you 25 years ago and none of them have come true. Why won't you ask God why he hadn't done what he said he would do? And God, where have you been all these 25 years? But Abraham didn't have a single answer to any of those questions, and he still chose to trust God. Why? Well, because God had shown up and become up close and personal to him. Now, this is the part I don't want you to miss. Abraham didn't pray some big prayer. Abraham didn't decide to become religious in some way to try and win God's favor. Abraham simply chose to trust he decided he was going to believe God would do what he said he would do, even though the circumstances seemed to say otherwise. And you know what God did in return? Well, the writer of Genesis says God credited that trust to Abraham as righteousness. God looked at Abraham and said, that trust just established a right standing relationship between you and me. Now, you've got to remember at this point in history, there was no Bible. There were no Ten Commandments, there was no temple, there were no rules, there were no laws for Abraham to follow. But the moment Abraham simply chose to trust God to do what he said he would do, in that moment God gave Abraham this extraordinary gift of a relationship with him. It wasn't religious. God said, Abraham, everything's good between you and me. From this point on, we are family and we are friends. You are in a right standing with me. This is now relational and this is as personal as it gets. It wasn't because of anything religious Abraham had done. It wasn't because Abraham's good deeds outweighed his bad. Matter of fact, if you read Abraham's story, I'm pretty sure they didn't. But when Abraham chose to trust God in spite of all his questions, when Abraham chose to meet God on his terms, on God's terms, well, God became personal to him. And that is how it's worked ever since. God becomes up close and personal to us on his terms, never on ours. If you want God to be personal to you, you're going to have to agree to his terms, not the other way around. Now, if you could set aside all your questions and objections for a second, isn't that what you would expect? Isn't that what you actually want? I mean, do you really want a God who is so small that you can boss him around? No, that, that's not much of a God. You and I don't want that. Well, God can and will be up close and personal to us, but we've got to meet him on his terms, not our own, which leads us to the big question, what are his terms? I mean, we know what our terms are. Our terms are, we want explanations for the prayers you hadn't answered, God. We want to know why those terrible things happened to us when we were younger. We want to know why there's suffering in the world. And, you know, why didn't you do this for me? Why, why'd you let that happen? Those are our terms. But if God's really God, should we be surprised that he chooses to come to us on his terms, not ours? For God so loved the world that he gave, he got involved. On his terms. So what are his terms? Well, they're right here in this story with Abraham. His terms are trust and humility. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. God becomes up close and personal when we choose to be humble and trust him. So one day Jesus 
basically explained the same thing. He was with some people who were asking him, how do you have a relationship with God? And Jesus did something that caught them all off guard. He calls this little child over, and then he says to him, unless you humble yourself and choose to trust like a child, you'll never have a relationship with God. Those are the terms. Now, I know you and I have objections. We've all got obstacles to following Jesus, but do you know what's at the heart of our resistance to God? Whenever you're resisting God, at the root of it is pride. We think God owes us. God, you owe me an explanation for that. You owe me an answer. You owe me because you shouldn't have let that happen. You owe me because of the pain I went through or because of that experience I endured. God, you owe me. You owe me. You owe me to meet me on my terms. But come on, be honest. If God is God, then by definition, he doesn't owe you anything. But he does choose to invite you into a relationship with him that's up close and personal because he loves you. So what do you have to do for God to be up close and personal? You have to humble yourself enough to admit you need him. And then you choose to trust him. Trust and humility. Those are God's terms. That's why last time I asked you to pray this prayer. I said, just pray, God, if you can be known, I want to know you more than I want to know the answers to my questions. In other words, I'm not going to demand you answer all of my questions before I have anything to do with you. That's called pride. I want to know you more than I want to know answers to my questions. That prayer shows trust and humility. So my question to you is, would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to admit that you have made messes in your life that you can't fix, that your sin is actually worse than you can handle on your own, and you need Jesus and his forgiveness to fix it? See, when you choose to trust that Jesus died and rose again to pay the penalty for your sins, you are demonstrating the trust and humility it requires to know God up close and personal. Trust, that's what makes any relationship personal. It's no different with God. And the good news, at least to me in all of this, is God's terms are terms that anybody can meet. So the question is, what are you going to do with it? Are you willing to do it? What do you have to lose? Now, let me just say, this is more than just believing. We believe stuff all the time, and it doesn't change our behavior. It doesn't change our life. It doesn't change what we do at all. We believe things all the time and never act on them. We know it's true. It doesn't matter to us. But this wasn't that kind of intellectual belief that Abraham demonstrated, and that's not what God's asking from you and me. What God's asking is more than just belief. It is trust and humility. Because trust and humility always moves us to act, to move, to follow, to go in a different direction. The truth is, God wants to be up close and personal to you. He is just waiting on you to trust him. What do you have to lose? Let me pray for us. Father, would you give us enough wisdom, enough courage, enough insight to choose to meet you on your terms. Just to come with trust, to come with humility. For those who've never done this, maybe, that in this moment they would just say to you, God, I'm, I'm choosing to trust you. I'm going to trust you to do for me what I can't do for myself. I'm going to meet you on your terms. For those of us who we've got a relationship with you, God, but we're still resisting you in areas, help us to choose the trust and humility that's required to see you and experience you personally at work in our lives in those areas, to come closer to you, it requires trust and humility. So don't, um, 
Don't let us settle for the pride that stands between us and you. Wherever that is, show it to us today. Show it to us this week. And help us to choose to lay it down. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you'd like more content like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our Journey Calway app to access all of our recent message content. And our app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. For more information on our church, be sure to visit journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Thanks for listening.